Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David Michael. And I'm Michael Carter. And we are Ridiculously, ridiculously Bored. David. Michael, how are the, you? Give me the dry update. Where are you? The dr- the dry so i am still dry believe it or not i am still dry it is january 14th as we record this so i'm almost halfway through the month and uh i don't i I really don't want to throw her under the bus but i just kind of have to i think uh, wet now or whatever i I, I don't think it's no longer a damp january (laughs) (laughs) it's meetings (laughs) (laughs) it's now 12 step january <laughs> she just yelled in the background. She said, "I can hear you." <laughs> so I've I've decided a way that I can sidestep the issue of joking about her being your ex-wife, your next uh-huh. ex-wife. I can instead joke about you being her first ex-husband, <laughs> and then she can't get mad at me, right? <laughs> well, but now you're making fun of me. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, good. All right. Well, that's good. You have uh it's funny because look, I can appreciate it, but the problem is, at least as my mentality, was you start getting closer to the end of the month, you're like, Well, fuck it, it's the 29th. I've been able to do it for 29 days. So clearly I can do it for the whole month. What's another day or two? I might as well start today. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, you're drunk by the 30th. No, see, that's the thing with me and alcohol. I've never really been a heavy, heavy drinker. So um it, I will say this. It does make doing certain things really difficult, right? Um, for example, we have this one pub that we go to, we used to go to like once a week, maybe even twice a week sometimes. And it's like no longer like when it's it's no longer on the list of, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Because if we go there, we know we're gonna want to drink. Right. So it's just there are certain things that are now like off the table as far as like date night goes. See, it's funny because um that mentality is sometimes people will say to me, oh, well, we didn't know if you wanted to come or we didn't invite you because we were going to a bar. And I'm like, and they're like, and we know you don't drink. I'm like, I drink soda, right? The bar has soda. Like, that should be my decision. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's interesting that you've cut some places off. That might, well, might I mean, it's just if you can't be around it. I'm just saying. Here's the thing. If, if every time you go to one place, like – all right, you hate this about me. Like, I am very particular. Like, if I go to one place and I have a meal and I love it, I will order the exact same meal every single time, right? Because I like that consistency and I'm afraid to try something new for fear that it will suck and I will regret not getting my staple, right? Well, we've got like one or two places where we go and like they have a certain kind of beer that I absolutely love or they have a certain kind of wine that my wife loves. So it's like, all right, let's avoid those places and and avoid the uh, potential, uh, you know, downfall. Are you able to ask the waitress to maybe just spread a little bit on your upper lip so you can like smell it? So you don't, you don't really order specials then, right? Um, Sometimes if this, like I'll listen to the specials and if we're at a new place, I'll always try the specials. Right. But if we're at like a, a staple, like a place that we go to all the time, I probably won't. So I got a question for you. If you're on the street and you see, let's say like two gangbangers fighting, do you get involved? What kind of gangbang are we talking about here? Blood and Crips. Anybody, just gangs. 
Oh, so gangs. Okay. Yeah. Remember when you and I grew up, gang banging was a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, and so is wilding. <laughs> so, <laughs> side note, wilding in the UK means you allow your um, farm to just grow naturally. Wilding, when we grew up, meant you just raped somebody in Grand Central. I mean, in uh, <laughs> in uh, Central Park. Uh, so, same nice. word, different meanings. Yeah, um, so, would you get involved? Why? All right, no, so, no. Not, not, like not even think twice about it. All right, I'm, I'm, stick with me here. Give me a minute. Sober guy, <laughs> fucking angry sober guy. <laughs> I like you much better when you had a drink of the week, I'm just saying. Yeah, right. You know what? We haven't had the drink of the week in a long time too. God damn it. It was like a whole segment we had to eliminate because of fucking January. Maybe we should do it in February. That should be the first thing. Yeah. Drink of the week. We'll do 10 in one episode. <laughs> Drinks of the week. All right, so you see two people that you don't know but they get in a fight right in front of you. Do you help? Do you stop them? You're on Absolutely the street. Absolutely not. No way. Two of your friends get in a fight in front of you. Do you try to stop them? Uh, it depends on if one of them deserved it or not. Like if I saw somebody get into a fight with you and you deserved it, I'd probably watch it for at least five minutes before I jumped in. You know, shit like that has happened where people encourage it. They're like, I told him to shut his fucking mouth. <laughs> um, Most of the time, I'm like, I'll step in front of the dude and I'll be like, no, no, you, you, you're going to have to go through me in order to get to him. With you, sometimes I'm like, all right, you know what? You got three minutes to do as much as possible because he deserved that shit. You're like, I can't let it go too long, but I'm totally for a good couple punches to the I'll guy. look away for a few minutes. Hit him in the stomach. He has batting. Um, all right. So if you're, say, visiting your mother at the nursing home, and two of the uh, co-inhabitants uh, of it start going at it. What do you do? I uh, take out my phone. That's just going on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. So I'm visiting my mom, two of the other ladies in there. And look, this the way the center is laid out is you go into a main massive room. So there's plenty of chairs for everybody. There's plenty of room to get around with. A lot of them have walkers. And then if you were to go left, you go to some apartments. If you go right, you go to some apartments. But this main Wait, Walker, room, like Walker, Texas Ranger? Or like, what are we no, talking about here? No, like, there's no cowboys there. Like a walker, <laughs> a wheelchair, those kind of things. Got it. I'm not a night walker either. Thought nothing again. Okay. Different subject. <laughs> so I'm standing near my mom, and these two ladies start arguing with each other. And the, the one in, and I guess it, so look, I always said my mom is, the Alzheimer's hits her where she acts like a little child, right? So when my mom mm. talks, she sounds like a two-year-old would or a one-year-old. There's a lot of babbling. You know, we've talked about they give them dolls to keep them occupied. So the fights kind of follow that same logic. So the one lady says to the other, don't sit next to me. You smell. So the lady's like, what's, what's your problem? And she's like, don't sit next to me. You smell. Then she starts wailing on her with her walker. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, first of all, this lady's got some pretty good strength, right? It's not, um, you're not allowed to say retard strength, but it might be up there. I don't know. Can cancer strength. We're allowed to say cancer because I'm a cancer survivor. Damn, so I haven't bleeped anything out in so long. I'm going to have to take out the bleeps now. <laughs> she's a cancer. She's a cancer strength. So, she starts hitting her at the chair, and now I'm across the room, and I'm like, hmm, do I want to do anything here? I'm like... Nah, <laughs> I just watched them fight it out. <laughs> and I went and got a nurse after, because I'm like, ah, they'll just like take one swing and kind of walk past each other. But no, the lady was like, um, 
what I imagine sometimes you see those videos on YouTube where there's like an animal that keeps butting its head against something, like a ram that keeps hitting a tree trunk, right? Right. So that's what she was doing with this chair. She kept like hitting her as if she was trying to move her. And after, you know, maybe three swings, I'm like, yeah, I got to get somebody. So I went and called some lady and I got her to stop it. But I was like, I I think, because I've been involved where I've stopped fights before. I don't know what happened that I had no desire to stop this fight. Um, partly and it was an easy fight to stop, too. Oh, yes, exactly. Right. So, I mean, the other side is I don't want to hurt one of the ladies by accident. Right. So, yeah, I was just. Curious. Oh, no, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. No, I. In fact, we were just talking about fights over dinner um i've been in a few quite a few bar fights in my day uh and uh sometimes they get out of hand but um when i was training uh martial arts mixed martial arts i would say at the peak of my physical shape and my fighting ability um one of my training partners had a job as a bouncer and he would come in Every once in a while, with just bruises, and I'm like, dude, like, why are we here? Why are you coming in with bruises on? And he's like, you don't understand. I'm a bouncer, and I can't. I, I'm not allowed to hit anybody because if I do, the establishment can get sued, and I, I'll get fired. So all I all I can do is like defend and like move people out or put them on the ground and make it so that they can't hurt you know anybody else. But he's like, most of the time in the process of doing that, I end up taking a few shots, either from him or his buddies or whatever. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's, there's, there's just not a job that pays well enough for me to want to sit there, take abuse, and not be able to fight back. Yeah, that, that I put that in the category of, I don't know what the salary is, but it's not enough. Yeah. Another job that's in that same category is... The people who stand outside like waffle houses dressed as a waffle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they pay, but whatever it is, it is not enough. There's a, I mean, you know, Arizona in middle of July, it's 115 mm-hmm. degrees out. It's the worst time. I, people die going hiking, right? So we talked about this last episode, two episodes ago. The people that spin the signs on the corner, and we have, we have an epidemic here in Phoenix. We have, one mattress store for every two inhabitants of the city, right? It's so it's there's a ridiculous amount of mattress stores. It feels like they're on every single corner, more so than convenience stores. And there's always a dude out on the corner spinning a sign, wearing a mattress or some silly clown costume <laughs> in the middle of July and August. And I, I mean, that's a job where you could die. And I got to believe they're paying minimum wage for that fucking job. I just I just want to double check this. <laughs> you said a guy will be wearing a mattress? Yes, like like a you know, like, like a, a, a costume that looks like a mattress. Uh, okay, okay. They'll take all the stuffing out, they'll pop arms and leg holes in it and he's like a fucking mattress holding a sign, spinning it on the corner. Yeah, terrible job. Yeah. So, if that was his job, do you think that guy cries at work? Uh, if not, he cries at home <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I have to ask the question though: When is it appropriate, male or female, to cry at work? You get a call on the phone that somebody died in your family. Okay, that's legit. But like, because no of work, work related, no, there's none. Yeah. Why right. you a crier at work? I'm a crier in general. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I just um, I was thinking about it this week, and I overheard a conversation where someone was like, "Oh, you know." 
something happened and immediately the waterworks started flowing and I'm like, oh shit, like, you know, in, in your private office. Yeah. That's probably fine in front of other people. I think that's a big, big no, no. I think it's a, I mean, obviously if you saw a dude crying at work, you'd be like, all right, yeah, that dude clearly can't hack it. He needs to like get a new job. Um, I got to believe the same thing. People are thinking the same thing about women if they do that as well. So there was an article in like, it was on one of my news feeds, but I think it was probably from like Cosmopolitan or something like that. And it was kind of like saying, hey, can we normalize crying at work? It's okay to cry at work. And I remember reading the first two paragraphs of the article and I'm like, no, it's absolutely not okay to cry at work. If you're crying at work, get a new job. Yeah, so- like I said, if if it involves family emotional stuff, like if I was at work and I'm telling the story about my brother, I could see getting like a little choked up because I'm talking about that, right? No, I'm talking about specifically over something that happened at work. Yeah. So if I'm telling somebody about financials that I can't get the totals to agree and I'm like, fucking, <laughs> fucking cash, it won't balance. Like, no. So I had a girl once come into my office and I did not know her very well. She comes into my office. She sits down. We start talking about something. Starts going into having a lot of problems at home. Not like getting beat or anything. Just arguing and not happy. Starts bawling. Starts crying in front of me. I get up. I close the door. And, you know, the the firm definitely protects you from, like, fucking in your office. Like, it has those clear panes on the side so nobody could ever do anything like that. So I, I wasn't worried that, like... I've now closed the door and this girl's in my office who I don't is, know. Is that a problem in accounting firms? Could be. <laughs> <laughs> and then the girls start crying. <laughs> <laughs> See, then it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I recall my statement. It's okay to cry at work when that happens. So um, that is why I keep a jar of chloroform in my desk. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, so um, so she, she starts crying. I get up and close the door. I walk up to her. I start tapping her on the shoulder. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now, I don't know what to do with you crying in front of me. <laughs> so it was so awkward that at least that made her like start laughing and it distracted the situation and she kind of composed herself. But I was just like, you, you can't cry at work. Like you maybe go and find us a fucking office, go cry, cry in a, uh, a bathroom somewhere, lock yourself in a stall and cry if you need to. But I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I had a, uh, I've always in my career, I've never been a project manager, although arguably everything we do is managing stuff. Um, But I've always had project managers that have reported to me throughout my career. And I remember at this one particular job, I had this one project manager and we would have, I'm a big like, hey, let's connect once a week with all my employees, right? Let's even if I had 15, 20 employees, I would still make time for them every week, at least a half hour to just sit down and kind of reconnect. And we used to have a weekly one-on-one and granted it was a stressful job, right? But just because it's a stressful job doesn't mean it's for everybody. Correct. And it got to a point of where every week in our one-on-ones, I would just bring a box of tissues because I was just, prepared for, you know, the tears to go flowing because so-and-so didn't hit their date. And as a result, the project was late and the the customer was angry and started yelling at us all. And okay, I get it. Like stuff like that happens. Um, it, I would say three or four one-on-ones into that repetitive nature. I was like, we need to find you a new role because hmm. this role is clearly not something that you can 
can handle. I can't have you crying every week because it kills my soul knowing that you're miserable. And I just, I can't, I can't do that. Like I can't, I just can't. So other than you making people cry it every week, was there any other reason? <laughs> no, I just wanted to get your take on that. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I wonder what Mike thinks about this. Yeah, no, unacceptable. Um, see the firms do a pretty good job though, of kind of, I I don't want to call it somebody who's weak because I don't think that's a fair, like all kidding aside, that's not a fair comment is just some jobs are not for some people. I don't think it's weakness. I just think it's, it's, it's a mismatch, right? Yeah. If, if you're crying about work, maybe that's not the right role for you. Yeah. So now I don't in any way, shape, or form consider myself sexist, but this comment's going to contradict that. I'm a little bit better with a woman crying at work than a man. Right. And that's definitely a, a sexist view. Right. If a and woman I've fired cries at work. Many, many people. I've never had a man cry at work. Huh, I got to think about it. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody cry at work. I was just saying in general, that's how I would feel. Um, but it's not like firing somebody shouldn't be the only time somebody can cry. Like you said, people are crying over missing deadlines and stuff. You're in the wrong field. Whatever your field well, is, you're in the wrong one. Here's the funny thing. If someone, if if you had to let somebody go and, you know, they were good at what they did and it was like, I worked at one company. We had a one day where we had to let 75 people go. And literally, I remember the entire day, just basically my office was a revolving door of, hey, next person come in. They walk out crying. Next person come in. After a while, people are like, all right, I'm going to get fired. Like, I'll be back in a minute. Like, it, it was obvious what was going on, but that's understandable. I mean, it's just like when when work gets too stressful, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And when I worked at St. Vincent's, and I can say that name because they went out of business. When I worked <laughs> at St. Vincent's and we were going through the, before we entered the second bankruptcy, there was a first one, the second one. You know, then we had, you had to start laying off good people, right? So, like, if, look, if I have to fire somebody at work because they're terrible at their job, I, I, especially at the firms, we give them so much of a runway to improve and we have meetings and, and performance improvement plans and all that stuff. So, when that happens, I feel bad. I don't like putting anybody on the street, but my view is kind of we did everything we could to help this person get better. When you have to let go, like St. Vincent's, we had to let go 20% of the people. And unlike you, it was 75 people. It was thousands of people. And some of them were fucking really good at their job. But it was either they were the newest person, which is the union rules, or you just make too much and you're not in the union, so we got to pick some. So you going will save two jobs rather than two people. So. Yeah, th- those days are tough for sure, but yeah. um, I've never cried at work. I have a great firing story that I completely blocked out of my memory that uh, it, it has to be told. I don't know that I've told this to you before. Um, certainly, I don't talk about it a lot. Um, so I was working in Phoenix for a while, and I was in a job. I was there for almost nine years, and I was just over it. it. It went from a small company to a really big Fortune 500 company, and overnight, it felt like it was... It got all too political. Like you had backstabbing going on. We merged with a much larger company and there were people fighting. And like you had to look over your shoulder. And if you missed a deadline, like five people were there to point fingers at you, to throw you under the bus. It got really bad. So um, I started looking for a new job and I found one 
in uh, the office was based out of Tucson, which is about 90 minutes south of Phoenix. So I took the job and um, they rented me an apartment down there. You remember it because we talked about it a few episodes I rem- ago. I rem- no, we, you and I talked about it offline. I reminded you about the, the apartment and you said, I totally holy forgot. shit, I for- totally forgot about that apartment. I blocked that job <laughs> out of my memory. Like I, when people ask me about my career, I for some reason, just don't recall that in in stream of consciousness. But isn't I, like, that the job that made you move over. to DC? It is. It is. Okay. So we'll get there. So um, so working in Tucson, um, I had an apartment down there. I had my wife and one of my kids. I only had one kid at the time in Phoenix. And so only one I would, wife at the time. <laughs> and Oops, only one wife. Yeah. I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I did it again is a Britney Spears song. We'll talk about her in a minute. Um, so anyway, so I would. I would telecommute. So I would drive down there on Sunday night. I would work all week from Tucson and then I would drive back on Friday and then I'd spend the weekend with my family. And that gets old really quick. But so the reason I did that is because there were two offices. There was an office in Tucson, Arizona, and there was an office in Washington, DC. And they said, Hey, do you have a preference? And I said, either way, I'm going to have to move my family. My only preference is that you choose fairly quick. So I'm not having to commute for a very long period of time, which is going to be hard on my family. I have you know, a newborn kid. So um, they're like, all right, well, let's just have you work out of the Tucson office until we figure that out. So they got me an apartment down there and I did the whole commuting thing. Um, about four months into that, I'm like, guys, like, let's make a decision. Like this, this commuting thing is getting old. All right. I'm, I'm driving three hours every week to go back and forth. And, um, so they're like, all right, uh, we're going to have you move to Tucson. We're going to keep you in Tucson. Sweet. Okay. So I grab the wife the next weekend. We go down to Tucson. We pick out a house. We buy a house. We sell the house in Phoenix. And then three, four weeks later or a month later, whenever the house closes, we move everything. All right. Houses in boxes still. And it took us, you know, probably two or three weeks to like unpack everything. And, um, I'm at work one day. And uh, everybody's called in for an all-hands meeting, which is kind of weird. We're like, all right, we've never had an all-hands meeting. I've been here six, seven months now, and I've never had an all-hands meeting. Um, So they bring us into this big room, the only big room in the entire office, and we're all just sitting there, and nobody knows what's going on, right? And a door opens, and this was a fairly casual company, like we all wore business casual. Five guys in suits walk in that we have never seen before in our entire in, in our entire careers, right? Yeah, so either the room's getting shot up or something bad's happening to the employees. So and they don't look to be Italian, so I can eliminate number one. <laughs> okay. So literally everybody just stops talking. Like you know how like when there's a large room of people, people talk until somebody says, excuse me, yeah, like quiet down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. As soon as these guys walked in, the room just went dead silent and you could literally cut the tension with a knife. And one of the guys introduces himself. He's the CEO of the parent company of the company that we're working for. Oh, yeah. The guy whose name is on the door, right? So we're like, all right, we've never seen this guy. We've heard of him, but this is kind of cool, right? Well, he announces that they're closing down the Tucson office in 30 days. I Now, remember, just bought a house, just moved my entire family, still unpacking said house, <laughs> right? And so somebody, you know, he, he does this whole thing and, and somebody raises their hand because he wasn't real clear about what was actually happening. 
And they're like, uh, so what happens to all of us? And he says, uh, well, with the exception of six of you, we're going to have to lay you all off. And, and then he, and then he goes, well, the following six people, please stay after we're done here. And he names all six people. I like that because nobody can tell now who got the job. (laughs) (laughs) So he, but he names off six people. I'm one of them. I'm the new guy. I'm the last guy in. So I figured I was done, but for some reason I impressed enough people that they wanted to keep me of, by the way, there was 70 people in this office. So 64 people got eliminated that day. Right. So anyways, he names off the names and then somebody raises their hand afterwards and says, are those the names of the six people that you're not going to fire? And, he's <laughs> and like, everyone's and like, are you is, fucking idiot? This is why you're getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, there was a CEO recently who fired like a thousand people or something over Via Zoom. Yeah. Zoom meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So he, this he was the uh, precursor to that. So mm-hmm. a couple things. So, you told the story about that, but what you left out is a few things that I just think is amazing. So maybe put some dates on this and like about a dates, I mean like January, things like that. You sell the house in Phoenix when? Uh, I'm horrible with dates. All right. So let's say it, Jan- the, the let's house, just- we listed the house and it went in like a week. So okay. it was, it was so super quick. Let's say January, just as a guesstimate. Yep. You buy the house in Phoenix in uh, Tucson. Yep. You then sell that house around May, right? We had that house, uh, I want to say, three or four months. Right. So my, my, yeah. my, my uh, timing tracks right now. Sure. You then move to D.C. Yeah. You buy a By house. By the way, we made money on the, the, the market was, this was before the market crash. Mm-hmm. We made money on the house that we bought and flipped in four months. Yeah. So you sell that house. You moved to mm-hmm. D.C. Correct. in March of 20, 2004, you come to D.C. to look for houses. The reason yeah. why that's very easy to remember is because you came, you drove to New York to come to my going away party. That's right. I was going to yeah. Australia. I was living in an apartment. We had yes. rented an apartment for six months while we figured out what, what house to buy. Right. So you basically then bought a house there. So yep. that's now, let's say, five months, six months into the year, let's say. I'm mm-hmm. just using that. Within within six months of me being in Australia, you call me and is like, yeah, guess what? We actually fucking hate it out here. We're selling this house. We're moving back west. Um, we're wrapping up. We're, you know, we're going back out there. So you sell that house. Yeah. So now you sold Phoenix, Tucson, Washington. You yeah. move back to Phoenix. And if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, within walking distance of the first house, is that correct? Uh, two blocks away. Yeah, two blocks away. <laughs> So you took one year, four houses to end up around the corner. Yeah, That's and we crazy. moved one, two, three, four, four times. It was, it wasn't quite one, two, three. Yeah, we, we bought four houses. Yeah, sold three, but we moved four times because we moved into an apartment in DC, and then we moved from the apartment into the house in DC. And I actually enjoyed. We were living in Fairfax, Virginia. I enjoyed the ver, the, the Fairfax area. But my wife at the time absolutely like just couldn't stand it, and we had we had just had our second kid, and she had no family in anywhere, and she wasn't working. I was working, and anyone that works in like if you live in the outskirts in the suburbs and you work in Manhattan or you live in Virginia and work in D.C., like 
it's a minimum two to three hour commute. Mm -hmm. So your eight hour workday is now 11, 12 hours, right? So you're gone all day. So yeah, my wife at the time was absolutely miserable. So um, Thanksgiving of that year, we ended up, uh, I got a call from a buddy who was hiring for a position back in Phoenix. And he's like, you interested? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there next week. So like, I we have literally a house in two months. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we we flew out. It was the it was right before Christmas. It was like December twenty first. We flew out to Phoenix on a Friday. Made an offer on a house on a Saturday, and that offer got accepted on Sunday. And we flew back to DC and then started packing. Yeah, and it was crazy. just it was a crazy year. Yeah. So um, speaking of. Like crying at work. Um, a guy this week at work, his name's Stan, doesn't matter. He's never going to check. You can leave the name in. Nobody nobody knows Stan. Um, <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> so he's listening and he's like, uh, I'm going to go slip my wrist like, now. Yeah, he's like, I've, I've been listening for since the beginning. So <laughs> Does he have a swing line stapler? <laughs> no, he um, he he's been he's been struggling a little bit with what I guess they consider long term COVID effects. But. He goes to the doctor the other day, and look, I'm I'm going to start with I'm not a doctor, but yeah, no fucking shit. If <laughs> I couldn't do four years of school, let alone seven, <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to give a really bad diagnosis, you better be a hundred and thirty percent sure of it. So they tell him you have three years to live. He has <laughs> X X disease. I don't know what it's called. Like, you have three years to live. So he goes home, he fucking super depressed. He was telling me he can't sleep. Like, it was in his head. And he he wakes up the next day. And again, he had some COVID again issues. So he went to a different place. He went to a hospital. They did a bunch of other tests. They've been done x-rays, blah, blah, blah. like, no, basically you have like, I don't know, like ammonia or something like that. They're like, you're fine. Like, you just fucking a couple months and you'll be fine. Can you imagine those like 48 hours for this guy? What about if it was an extreme? Like, he's like, well, if I'm going to have this quick, painful death, I'm just going to go kill myself. Like, what about if he fucking turned around and did something like that from getting a wrong diagnosis? Well, first of all, anytime anyone, doctor or not, tells you that you're going to die, you immediately go get a second opinion. How about if your wife says that to you? Because my wife says that to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just not sleep in the same bed. <laughs> Technically, uh, you did yeah. go get a second opinion. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> They're too easy. <laughs> They're too easy. <laughs> you you get a second opinion. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's. I, I can imagine that's got to be brutal. Um, along the same lines, though. 48 hours knowing that you're probably going to die in, in a few years is brutal. Um, I was watching uh, a recap of, I forget what the flight number was, but there was a flight back in the 90s or maybe it was the early 2000s on those MD-80 aircraft that had the upper fin. And apparently they all had like, a, it was a, I think it was a Boeing aircraft. They all had a defect. No, it was an Airbus. It was an Airbus. They all had a defect in the tail. And over time, the tail, the the screw that controlled the, the pitch of the airplane would eventually wear down and snap. And it just so happened in this, particular instance it did all right um we, all we knew was that the plane was defective and it broke and the plane ended up crashing and everybody died on board right it, if you remember there was a time where everybody looked out 
through the uh, gate at the airplane they were getting on and was like, hmm, hopefully that's not the uh, the plane that, uh, that, that just had that issue, right? And stop me if we've talked about this before because we I know not. we've talked about it before. Um, anyways, so we all knew that, but they released all like the data and somebody actually recreated the flight or the last 30 minutes of the flight in a flight simulator based upon all the flight recorder data. Oh man, it was probably like a zigzag. It was worse. Um, so what ended up, and, and so they played the, the, the simulator along with the audio from the cockpit voice recorder. And I don't know why I listen to this because every time I get pulled down this fucking rabbit hole, I never want to fly again. Anyway, so you're listening to the pilots and then you're seeing the plane on this flight simulator, right? And what ended up happening is the plane kept on, because of the the position that the tail was stuck in, it was forcing the plane to go down. And no matter how hard, it took both of them to pull on the controls to keep the plane barely level and it was still losing altitude at a fairly big clip, right? So they're like, look, if we don't do something, we're going to crash. So they figure out that the only way to stabilize the plane and prevent it from going down is to invert the plane and fly upside down. You sure you're not thinking of the movie Flight with Denzel Washington? Uh, maybe that was based upon this actual incident, but th- this is this is literally like this happened to this aircraft, right? Yeah. So okay. for the last like three minutes of this flight, they're flying upside down. Can you imagine being a passenger, all right, in an airplane, flying upside down? I mean, I've I, we talked about this in an earlier episode. I was on a plane that we all thought we were going to die, and people were screaming like we were going to die. Yeah. Can you imagine flying upside down in a commercial airliner, not knowing what was going on? By the way, one thing we do know about it is they never once talked to the from the cockpit to the to the airplane to let the people know what was going on. You don't. You you think you need the fucking guy to tell you over the loudspeaker that something's wrong if you're fucking upside down? But if you're in a plane and something's going wrong, don't you want to know like, hey, we have it under control, don't worry, or like we're trying our best to like fix the situation? There was nothing. Yeah, but it sounds like it it was pure panic, right? So like what do you do there? So a couple things there. First of all, if the flight turns upside down and it's plummeting, I'm joining the mile high, half mile, quarter mile club. One hundred percent. That's happening. <laughs> Two, I was on it. So here's here's why I say no. I don't want to know. I was on a plane once, and the pilot came on and was like, "Hello, everybody. Uh, he's this is your captain here." And he's like, uh, "Appears the back door is open." He's like, "We don't think it really is." He's like, "But we have to land because of it." Why does that fucking help me for the next <laughs> half an hour until we fucking land? Then uh-huh. when we land, there is thousands of fire trucks and cop cars and stuff on the runway mm-hmm. because they're worried about it potentially if that back door was up and what happens from it so no I, it, there's a reason why the saying is ignorance is bliss like i think i'd be okay with that yeah i don't know i think i'd rather go like uh if, if i'm gonna die in a plane crash i know this is fucking morbid as hell i'd rather go like 9-11 style where you fly into a building i was actually reading an article about you know, whether or not the passengers felt anything when they died. And they did, they had all these like mathematicians figured out from the time the front of the plane hit the the facade of the building till the time the back of the plane, this plane was going 400, 500 mm-hmm. miles an hour. 
um, it was literally the blink of an eye, like like less than a second. So if you if you didn't know that you were about to crash, you just wouldn't know. You literally you're you're alive, you're dead. That's it. Yeah, like you know, one of those things like the planes that hit mountains sometimes or like crash in the water. Like it, you're right. If I gotta go, it's just I want it to be like that. You hit something, mm-hmm. you're dead. Not like you hit the side of a mountain, half of you live, it rolls down the mountain, now half of you die, half more of you die going down the mountain, and then you're pinned in the fucking thing, and then you die after a day of not eating. And then eating. you have to like eat whoever's yeah, left. Right. I saw that movie too. That's a that's a different kind of mile I club if you <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I would much rather go the instant way also. So like you know, it's just it's the same issue with real life, right? When somebody has cancer or Alzheimer's, like both of our parents are dealing with, yeah. versus somebody dies in a car accident, right? Both of them suck. And for for me, being the survivor in those, those examples, hopefully, <laughs> um, <laughs> you the, the person who had the long illness, you hated seeing that happen, but you had a chance to say goodbye. Right. The other ones, you never had a chance to say goodbye. That's the hard yeah. part. So. Yep. Well, a quick death is easy on you, harder on everybody else. Yes. Flip that, it's, you know, the opposite. Yep. Yeah. So So can we talk about Britney Spears? Sure. She seems <sighs> normal. Holy fuck. So um, my wife's a big Britney Spears fan. I think my daughter likes her. I don't know. But, you know, the music is from like the 90s, so it's kind of my wife's, you know, era. And um, so she's always been a big fan. All I know is like, you know, there's been this like conspiratorship or whatever the hell they call it. And her dad has had control over all of her finances for the last umpteen years, right? And everyone's like, oh, free Britney this, and it's her money, she earned it, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And like, what's going on? But in the back of my mind, I'm going, if her dad thinks that he needs to control her finances, there's probably something wrong with her. Yeah, but he was lining his own pockets too. That's part of the issue. I'm sure he was. I'm sure there was that as well, right? But in the back of my mind, I'm like, eh, there's probably a reason. I'm sure there's a little nefarious stuff going on, but there's got to be a reason. Um, so finally, like a couple of weeks ago, the judge like dissolved the conspiratorship and like, you know, so she's no longer underneath the thumb of her dad, all right? So now she's, she's uh, apparently like they controlled what she posted on like TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Like she couldn't really kind of communicate with her fans. So now she's like, you know, untethered. Mm-hmm. Untethered so a couple and unclothed. Weeks, right? So in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to believe this, this, this bitch is a little bit crazy, right? <laughs> so I follow her on Instagram. I'm like, I just want to see what unfolds over the coming weeks because... She's basically like, you know, like a dude that's been married for like 30 years and all of a sudden is free to go play the field. Like she's free to do whatever the hell she wants, right? And she's doing it. And holy shit, she's fucking batshit crazy. I mean, some of the shit that she's posting, completely butt naked on Instagram. There's like an emoji covering her privates, like... There's a reason why her dad had his thumb on her the hey, entire time. But but a side note, those photos that have the emojis on them, if you, you Google them under some uh, private filters, you can get the ones without the emojis. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> Allegedly. Heard. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know. Some some When people are famous from a very young age, you have the – you have both sides of it, right? You have the Justin Batemans of the world who's never had any issues. 
has been a fucking child star since he was five years old. Mm. Um, been doing stuff the whole time. Seems to be normally and fully adjusted. Then you have the people like her who just seem to fucking go nuts because that you know that's why they call it arrested development, right? She's been the money winner for thirty years now, and so she doesn't understand a sense of what we would consider normal. Her normal is, I want this, I get it, I do this what I want, I go where I want, I see who I want, et cetera, et cetera. So, look, maybe, like, her dad wasn't the best answer, but clearly, you're right. From what I've seen, she needed something. Yeah. I don't know if she's got some some mental health issues or not, but just based upon the type of shit that she's posting, and she's not young. I mean, she's in her 30s. It's not like she's, like, this teenager that just doesn't know any better. She's just, uh, just posting some crazy shit. So, uh, we pray for you. Well, neither of us pray, but if we did pray, we would pray for you, Brittany. I pray for more photos. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you sick fuck. Um, so, I know we've talked about this before, right? Where your body, when you're sleeping, your body gives you all the signals of what to do if you have to go to the bathroom and stuff like that. So, the other day, I and it's funny because I woke up and I'm like, I got to write this down because I'm like, I, I want to make sure I remember this. I had a dream that I was on. I don't know why, because I'm about as fucking fit for the military as as uh, no one. <laughs> I was in a military base, and before I left the military base, I said I got to take a pee. So I went and pee- in my dream. I went and peed in my dream, and then got in a, a car, jeep, whatever it was, and drove away. Drove for a couple minutes, and was like, no, no, no yeah, you know what, I. I I really got to pay. So I drove back to the base and that's when I woke up. So I thought it was pretty impressive that my body tried once and was like, you're not listening. You're going to fucking pee the bed. (laughs) (laughs) And even in the dream, it made me go back to pee again. And that's what woke me up. And I went to the bathroom. That's like pretty fucking amazing, right? That even when you're unconscious, shit's still working up there. Well, not for Brittany, well, but for isn't, other isn't that why guys get an erection in their sleep? Morning wood is is so they don't pee themselves. Um, maybe. I think you know what? I think you might be right. I think I might have heard. I, I think I think that's your body's way of preventing because it's it's near impossible to pee while you have an erection. I think that's your body's way of saying, okay. If if I can't wake you up, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna clog the area with blood flow so that you can't uh, you can't wet yourself in in the night. Yeah. Side note: you can pee while hard, but you usually end up needing to clean the whole bathroom. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is say, zero just, control over that. I just I just stand on my hands. <laughs> yeah, like, like the flight. <laughs> uh, All right. Have you? I know we talked about TikTok a lot. Like, mm-hmm. but we never like got into it because it's kind of like before our generation. No, it's kind after of like, well, our generation. After our generation. Um, have you used, gotten into it at all? I, I have a very consistent use of it. And by that, I mean, I don't look at it for three weeks at a time. And then I spend, I just want to look at one or two videos. The next thing I know, I've, I've lost an hour of my time. Yes. <laughs> and then three so, weeks later, I do the same thing. So the, I, I Exactly the same thing. I, I try to stay off of it, but if 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 I'm on Facebook and I click on something and it takes me over to TikTok, all of a sudden 
I find that I'm scrolling through, okay, well, that was funny. What's the next? And what's the next? Oh, that wasn't funny. There's got to be a funny one in here. What's the next? <laughs> and you just keep going, right? So I came up with this concept called TikTok time, right? Because the other day, I don't remember what the hell I was doing, but it was similar to like what I just said. I was on Facebook and somehow got over to TikTok. Didn't even really notice that the apps had changed. And then, boom, 45 minutes, gone. <laughs> like completely gone. Like have no fucking idea what happened. I was a meeting I was supposed to be in because it was during my lunch period. Like I just completely missed it all. And I'm like, what the fuck, right? So I brought it up and we were talking about this and my daughter was around and she's like, oh, I just set a timer. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you set a timer? She's like, I have a TikTok timer. Like I only allow myself a certain amount of time using that app before it like reminds me that, Hey, you need to put it down. Like you need funny, to put actually. the crack down. And I'm like, Holy shit. That's actually pretty smart. But I just thought that was funny that it's such an epidemic that people are finding ways to jar their brain enough. Like your P example to like, stop, you got to do something. You got to, you got to change it. <laughs> you got to go. So, Speaking of things that have passed our generation, I know I talked about Snapchat before. I tried again the other day to look through it to like I fucking hate Snapchat. I, I really wanna just make sure my son's not being an idiot. It I have no idea what's going on. I feel <laughs> so fucking old when I open that app that it's it's like it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. Cause I'm like and I think I'm relatively I know you make fun of me, I'm relatively techno savvy. Um a little bit more than a basic, but not advanced. And I open that app, and I'm like, I have no fucking idea which way is up. Yeah. The key word is relative there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do the uh, one crazy question. I know we've been putting this one off for a while. Okay. So the reason why this question came to mind is for people who've watched Hawkeye on um, Disney, if you haven't, uh, fuck you. It's been out for two months now, so it's your problem. I have not. Okay. So fuck me. Um, yeah, this worked out even better. So in that, <laughs> one of the things that play a pretty key aspect of the show is actually LARP, it's called, which is live action role play. So, you know, you hear a lot about it with the Civil War. People do it with the Civil War. People do it with superheroes. Wow. People do it with barbarians, stuff like that. So my the one crazy question is, have you ever and would you ever do live action role playing? Now, before you answer... I'm not talking about you dressing like a furry and pounding your wife. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's <laughs> not, that's not. Oh, that's cosplay. Yeah, Sorry. That's not Damn. LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't heard of this concept until I was watching this documentary show on Netflix called Dark Tourist, The Dark Tourist. Right. And it's only one season. And I wish they would have done 10 more seasons of this, but it's this guy that goes across the fucking globe. And he's trying to find like the craziest shit to do. Like each episode is like just some weird friggin' touristy, but like dark, like really like shit that you would like be like, dude, what are you fucking doing? Like what? You, like he'd go to like I don't know, like Nepal or something like that, and and partake in like an animal slaughtering festival or just like weird crazy shit, right? And I think if I remember correctly, one of the episodes, there was this live action role play of like the civil war in like, I don't know, Manassas, you know, Virginia in that area. And I just like, it just made me think of like adults playing with Barbies. Well, it's, it's worse because Barbies, you can use your <laughs> imagination, I guess. And, you know, uh, how about we say G.I. Joe's considering we're both men? <laughs> so if you're playing with G.I. Joe's and probably betting Barbie, um, 
you you can at least create whatever scenario you want. When you, my understanding, and I'm not a LARPer, my understanding is you get assigned, like you're like, okay, you're a Civil War employee number seven, which means you get stabbed three minutes into the fight, and then that's what you act. So it's even worse than like Barbies or, or G.I. Joes. You have no free will, my understanding. <laughs> we have any LARPers out there, please write, post, you know, ridiculouslybored at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know. Um, but no, I have never done it. I have zero desire to do it. Um, so I don't even want yeah, to go to, I, to, uh, there's no way. I don't even want to go to the place that is, uh, where you watch the jousts. What is that called? Medieval oh, times. Oh, the medieval times. Yeah. yeah. But that's more because you got to eat with your hands. That's what really bothers me about that place. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I have never ever had a desire to do LARPing, and uh, nor nor do I ever see myself wanting to do it. But uh, thank you for bringing up uh, GI Joe because now I know, and knowing is half the battle. And with go that, Joe. <laughs> with that, my tagline. With that, I'm Michael Carter. And also with that, I'm David Michael. No, 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 no. time out. <laughs> Bleep that shit. <laughs> Don't take oh, I'm sorry. Did that. you trademark that fucking uh, Michael, whatever his name is, Bill, Bill Buffer, Michael Buffer with the it's ready to rumble bullshit? Yes. Um, it's pretty crazy that he owns that, right? <laughs> On the side well, his brother, Bruce Buffer, who does the UFC fights, trademarked, it's time. Oh, shit. I guess I'm, I'm going to have to bleep that out, ain't I? Yeah. With that, going to sue me? I'm Michael Carter. And I'm David Michael. And we are trademark. Ridiculously bored. <laughs>